It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Plenty of basketball. Mitchell Forty and I are going to talk about that in a few minutes. But first off, spring football for Missouri starts on Tuesday. Barry Odom's third spring in charge of the Tigers. And we're going to talk to Coach a little bit about it. Barry, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, happy to be with you guys. Thanks for thanks for asking me on and and uh, having the opportunity to do it. Yeah, we will get you out to our audience of like tens. So uh, <laughs> so that's a big deal. <laughs> you've added you've added Mitchell, so there's going to be there's going to be a lot more than that. An so. audience of dozens, we can say now. Yeah. Um, so at first, we just want to start kind of uh, you know obviously since the end of last year, um, you know you guys have have been at work in the weight room and all that, but but tell us, I mean, I don't know. And now that there's been a few months to look back on it, you guys had one of the biggest turnarounds really anybody's ever seen in the middle of a season. So as simply as I can put it, how did it happen? Well, I think the the opportunities that we had early in the year, we didn't ever play uh, consistent enough as, as a football team. We didn't play smart enough football. You know, um, we, we would do some – you know, minus a couple of games, there were there were opportunity. You go back and look at the South Carolina game. We had a 10-0 lead, uh, return a kickoff for a touchdown, next snap, throw an interception, next play, um, run, you know, whatever it was, 20 or 21-yard run for a touchdown. So in three play, we're up 10-0 in three plays. It's 14-10. Lost all the momentum. We weren't a mature enough team early on in the year uh, to be able to handle adversity the way that you're supposed to. Um, and, and there's a lot of different factors that go into that. I, I thought all along, Gabe, that our, our preparation was was right. Uh, you know, our practice habits were, uh, you know, they weren't perfect, but we were we were practicing the right way. We just weren't able to mature enough uh, as competitors and and as a team, and and me getting them ready to go play a four quarter game against a good opponent to go win one. But I knew we were getting close. I knew we had an opportunity if we continued to stay the course, continue to prepare, and do all the things that we were, that we would have a chance to win some games. Uh, or at least be in it, you know, late in the fourth to have an opportunity uh, because we were doing a lot of really good things with inside the program. Uh, we were lacking in some confidence. You could see that uh, there would be things that would happen on game day, and I've been through this before, but it happened on game day, and, and instead of, you know, if, if adverse thing happened, instead of locking in and grabbing somebody's by the arm, you know, with each other and linked together and say, you know, let's go. It was almost a little bit of feeling that, oh, man, here we go. Here we go again. Um, so we addressed that and openly within the team understood that, that we weren't that far off, that we did have an opportunity if we would continue on. Um, that, that we could go make a run, and, and our kids believed it. They never wavered in, in that aspect, continued to work, and then you know we're able to make some plays and get momentum and get confidence. And um, you know once once you got the first one, you know this able to take the approach and it and it worked for that team. Take the approach of taking one day at a time, one opportunity at a time to put yourself in position to go play. Coach, I know we're a couple weeks removed from uh, signing day for the 2018 recruiting class. I uh, just wanted to touch on that real quick. Uh, one of my big takeaways, you know, talking to you and the rest of the coaching staff on signing day was just kind of the uh, emphasis on finding just physical traits, size and speed that, that can't necessarily be taught. How important just was it for you all in, in your estimation to find that to compete in the SEC and uh, how'd you go about looking for that? 
Well, it's something that's been established over time with, with the different measurables that, that you want to you want to make sure by position that you're hitting on. And, and it's not going to be ever an exact science. You know, you've got to there's overriding factors that you look at, at, at you know, height, weight, speed, change of direction, arm length. Uh, football IQ, all the different measurables and all the different things that go into it. And then you look at the, the traits of, of what kind of student is he, uh, the, the learning capacity, football IQ. Um, does he like to play ball? Is he a competitor? Does he play multi-sports? Um, does he like to, to compete uh, you know, in, in, in all the things that he does? So all the different things, there's a formula that we have gone by and, and really structure. And if you, if you really live by it and believe it and you put the right information in into the system, you're going to get the right information out. And that's proven uh, with last year's recruiting class. We signed 13 or played 13 true freshmen. I think we've got an opportunity to play a number of these guys that we just signed. Uh, there's always emphasis that you put on by position on the number of targets that you need to hit and sign uh, from a depth standpoint and program development standpoint, and we're able to do that. You also look in the league of the SEC, and it's a line of scrimmage league in, in a lot of different areas, but you also better have guys that can run. And uh, the more guys that you got that are bigger guys that can, can do both, um, then, then now you've got an opportunity to go compete. Um, the, the also, the, the things that in in recruiting this the the right fit for your program culturally and um all those components go into to trying to make sure that you get the right fit in in every area and you have as as few uh, misses or mistakes that that you can have um and and as you plug that stuff in you know you always look well what is you know is there is there a quality is there a feature that that just is is absolutely a killer that that is can't overcome you know and if 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 you get to the point where uh you get in that situation then then you you go try to identify and find the you know the prospects wherever they are that that fit to to what you need in your program so really um think that we hit on a lot of guys if you look at this last year for example you know larry roundtree was not a heavily recruited guy tyree gillespie not really a recruited guy heavily case cook i think all three of those guys without leaving a bunch of you know guys out of the mix there um i think they've all got a, a chance to be special players at mizzou and that was because we were able to identify them and they hit on just about every quality we were looking for all right, Barry, uh, spring ball starts on Tuesday. I know coaches are, are constantly tweaking things and, and changing things that, that may not have worked. So what have you learned from the first couple years going through spring ball and, and, and anything that, that you're really emphasizing or looking to do maybe a little bit differently than you have the last couple of years? Yeah, look, you know, really, um, you as as every off season or the season unfolds, you want to try to uh, continue to push the envelope and find ways to give your kids an advantage, and, and whether that's schematically doing some things differently or, or personnel-wise moving guys in position where maybe they they fit better. Uh, it's been a little more. Um, Time consuming this off season because of the coaching staff changes we've had, uh, the development of some of our young guys in our program on moving them around, and then uh, putting them in position and being teachers on on allowing them to use their skill set and go play freely. Um, offensively, it'll be a challenge. Um, the the 
the way that we played last year, you know, taking and, and incorporating that into some different things that we want to have the chance to do, um, you know, on, on third down situations, situational football, all the different things that you can do offensively by formation, uh, by tempo, uh, incorporating the ideas that we have and we've had here before in the last season or two, season and a half, and then incorporate some new ideas with, with Coach Dooley and Coach Davis and, and Afadale, uh in the roles that they are, but also Coach Finley and Coach Ford continuing on that side of the ball, continuing to teach uh, some of the concepts that we had here last year. And then defensively, you look at you know the number of guys that we've got back on both sides of the ball. We're, we're a more uh, you know, a mature team. We're, we're, we've got a lot more experience, game, game experience I'm talking about. But then you've got to make sure that, that you take what they can do and, and build it around what your kids can do. So um, for me, uh, uh, you know, learning on that, that every team's a little bit different, don't count on just because um, you know, one of your guys was really good last year at what he did, that, that he's automatically going to do that next year. We've got to take the challenge of if they did play pretty well or we did have success, success in certain aspects of the game it's it's got to be better this year and uh, if we don't then we didn't do a very good job as coaches I know uh, one of the big question marks uh, going into spring is just kind of exactly how uh, this offense will look under Derek Dooley the new uh, newly hired offensive coordinator and uh, we were at the uh, St. Louis recruiting reception last week and he kind of talked about making it not his offense but our offense and by that he meant uh, kind of incorporating stuff he has done with stuff the team did last year. Can you just yeah. kind of specify a little bit for us uh, what what he meant by that? Well, I went in and I've spent some time, you know, obviously with the offensive staff here in the last two months. And, and last week I went in and they had 1985, uh, I think it was Oklahoma versus Texas up on the – they were going through the video of that. They were uh, putting in the wishbone, and I think it was go. either – Charles Thompson or Jamel Holloway playing quarterback. So we're going to turn Drew into an option quarterback. <laughs> and uh, so things are looking positive in that in that world. Um, I think anybody that would step in and watch us play offense last year and saw the success we had with, with you know, stretching the field vertically, uh, you've got to keep and incorporate those ideas and, and keep that concept because we do have – um, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country coming back at throwing the deep ball. We've got an opportunity to to showcase some of the things that he can do with intermediate throws, and then you know some some other other things that that he does really well. We've got two really good tailbacks or up front or offensive line. If we can stay healthy, we've got a chance to be in a special group. Um, but there's also some things that playing team and smart football together that we can grow as a program and be better and, and more suited for having a chance to get us in position on both sides of the ball to, to win a football game. Um, there, there are times that you look at some of the things we did offensively last year and very explosive and, and uh, scored a lot of points uh, and in certain times. And then there were other times last year that doing the same thing that, that we weren't able to connect on the deep throw. We weren't able to run the football. So more consistency is what we're looking for. We've got some, you know, some different ideas with, with how to utilize the tight end because we think that position can be at an advantage for us. And then also the two tailbacks that we've got, um, they're, they're going to be a really good one-two punch on however they line up. 
but the things that that we have done well we've got to continue to move that envelope forward and and make sure that uh that group continues to grow offensively in in what we're asking them to do uh but all that merged together with what we have done what we you know the the different ideas that Derek brings and and Brad and and AJ um I think merging that together you know that it's been a fun process to watch take place Talking for a few more minutes with uh, head football coach Barry Odom. And on the other side of the ball, Ryan Walters takes over fully as the defensive coordinator. I know Ryan was pretty involved last year, obviously, in game planning and in calling plays and stuff. So is there much change at all, or is that pretty seamless? And and is it going to run pretty much the way it already ran most of last year? I would I would say you know really from uh, from Idaho on um, I think is you know this uh, Ryan pretty much had his hand in in every part of it along with Brick and and Brian uh, but uh, adding Vernon uh, Hargraves a uh, inside linebackers coach and he's he's been around uh, for a number of years great experience he's helped us on some things uh, just overall looking at what uh, you know. Not not only just with with technique stuff, but but uh, the the scheme the scheme side of it. It's been it's been awesome. So, but the familiarity with with uh, Ryan and and Brick and Brian back, and then me still in the room. That you know, there's there's a lot of consistency there. Um, you know, like like I said, just with the offense, you always want to want to move move forward and continue to try to uh, do some different things that that help your your team and your program and, and what you're running uh, defensively, but also, you know, we've got some guys with experience um, that have played, you know, they know they can line up with a, a base call against any formation and, and they know what is, is good and, and maybe what they need to uh, be on high alert for because they've been now in the system uh, for a couple of seasons, uh, more specifically the last latter half of last year. So I think uh, without question under Ryan's leadership and direction, uh, they'll take a positive step forward and I'm um, excited to see how, how that gets started next Tuesday. Speaking of the uh, the defensive side of the ball, I know one area that's had kind of a lot of turnover since the last offseason is uh, the defensive backs. Um, is it possible that uh, we might see a few players, uh, specifically uh, Demarcus Acey, switch from from cornerback to safety? Well, we've got to uh, continue with developing. You know, Demarcus came in. You know, he came in. We recruited him as a safety, right, and he right. had the skill set to go play corner. So, uh, you know, he with with Christian Holmes coming back, who missed all last year with an injury. Um, you know, we feel like we can cross train some of those guys, and uh, will will help us down the down the stretch. Because as as you guys know, and the last half of you know the the season last year we got into a lot of different sub packages on on third downs and you know we we put our best cover guys on the field sometimes we had six dbs out there and and you know adam sparks was sometimes playing corner sometimes we lined him up at different spots you know this the versatility if they can play a, a corner spot or a nickel or a dime or a safety you know we've we've proven that if if you've got a chance and an opportunity like Bledsoe stepped on the field last year and you know it was huge for us down the stretch and some of the things we were doing on third down so identify what those guys can do and and be able to cross train them and and move them around to different spots that that helps you out in the, in the long run
And uh, the the one other coaching move, Andy Hill now in charge of special teams. So after however many years of Missouri fans begging for a dedicated special teams coach, everything will go perfectly in that in that phase of the uh, game this year, right? I've, I've got uh, I've got full confidence uh, that uh, you know I've listened, I've answered the call. We're we're going to go with special teams coordinator. So it's awesome about the setup we've got with Andy. He is really excited about it. He's going to have his influence on that that part of which is so huge on the number of plays that you have special teams if you look at the total total number of plays that, that special teams plays over the years. So um, we're excited about that and have a chance that that can become an advantage for us. And um, I know that, that our specialists, whether it's our kicker or punter or snapper or returners, they will uh, they'll be better players of it uh, because of the in- influence and the, the, the time that we're spending on it. I know, uh, you know, for you as a coach, it's a – Often you say, you know, every position is important, but uh, as you kind of look at this team heading into the spring, do you feel that there's maybe one kind of X-factor position where uh, someone needs to maybe emerge as a leader that, that will help the team the most going forward into camp? Well, you look. I don't know that that just one position. I mean, you know, and everybody always wants to point to the quarterback, and, and that's true, but... You know, we need ten guys around him playing at a high level to, for him to be his best. Um, I did, I want to see guys who go out and compete every day. I want them to see, you know, for us as a as a program to continue. Practice two, you know, needs to be better than practice one, and on down through the the, the stretch of spring practice. And you know, you've got fourteen really good practices, and then you line up in whatever capacity it is and, and play the spring game. Um, so for for that body of work, you want to make sure that that your uh, position. Uh, continues to to improve over the course of of that time. Your your communication, uh, the attention to detail. You know the the huge emphasis that we're going to put on the turnover margin this spring. Um, all the different details and the habits that go into uh, what you want a spring practice to look like. The development that you got of your young players and plus the players that have played and have experience to get them more reps. Uh, and then playing playing smart football together. So, um, you know, it, it can't get here quick enough. Um, you know, we've got a, a countdown clock that I've kept up in the staff room just because we need to feel the urgency on, on how quickly it's going to be here. Um, uh, because you know, there's a lot of a lot of newness around, but but also guys that have been around a little bit that are that are battle tested and uh, anxious to get this team on the field. Last thing for you, Barry, and I, I understand spring football is, is a whole different deal from the actual season, but last year didn't end the way you wanted it to, but still obviously a step forward, two more wins in a bowl game. So how important is it, especially because this is the last year you have Terry and Drew both in the program, what marks another step forward for Missouri football in 2018? Well, you look at you know the progress we made between year one and, and year two and, and uh, you know went from – um, continuing to prog- progress in a lot of different areas uh, with not only the the wins uh, but also our, our GPA, our, our academic progress rate, our, our graduation rate, the way that our guys work out, uh, the way that they're involved in the community, all of those things that lead up to if you handle the process right, you do it right, the wins are going to follow. Now, 
the 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 movement now from from winning four year one to seven year two, getting into to postseason contention. Now you've got to take another step, and and you know you you always want to be in position to compete for a championship, and you know the the there's a a lot of different ways to do that, but you've got to take them uh, one game at a time, and then you separate non-conference from conference, and you've got goals and specific things that you've got to hit on. But the development of these guys, you know, we've got uh, a, a number of returning starters uh, for us. If we can get all those guys playing better than they've ever played before, then we'll have an opportunity down the stretch to, to make it a, a really exciting year. All right. Well, Barry, appreciate your time, and we'll uh, see you here just in a few days. Thanks, Barry. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Barry Odom, Missouri head football coach. Uh, spring practice starts Tuesday morning. I think it's at 8.15. Um, all the practices are going to be open for us to watch. Uh, what exactly we can write about them, we don't really quite have a feel for yet. But um, I don't know. Spring, spring football is – like, I think it's good from the standpoint that there's so much new about this program. Like you said, new coordinators, all that. So we're maybe going to get a little bit better idea of what things are going to look like. But also, I've covered spring football for 15 years, and I've never come out of spring football with a feeling like any better or worse than I went into it with. We're not going to know a lot about this team in a month and a half. Well, it'll be my first spring football. So while you, uh, you know, have your your jaded and, and cynic opinion <laughs> of uh, not thinking you'll know anything new, maybe I'll learn something. Okay. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, that's all right. If somebody learns something that's good, I uh, apparently know it all and don't have anything to learn. <laughs> Although I did short them uh, one win on the improvement. That was a three-game improvement, not two. But I think like this year they won what seven last year. There have got to be eight regular season wins uh, for this team. Like to me. That And I know the schedule's a little bit more difficult, but last year kind of proved he deserved another couple years to find out. This year needs to prove he's the guy. And to do that, he's got to go win eight games. Right. I mean, as you touched on the last year with Drew Locke and Terry Beckner in the program, um, it, it seems very likely that the talent as a whole will kind of step back the following year. But if he's able to prove that, you know, he can get it done when he has those guys here, the uh, the administration will likely give him a chance to, you know, bring in his own guys with the recruiting and, and see if he can be the guy long term. Definitely. So spring football next Tuesday. At that point, we will finally know the schedule for the SEC tournament, and we may actually know for sure whether Missouri is is in the NCAA tournament. Let's start there with the basketball stuff. I after the Vandy game, I thought, okay, they need one more, and I th- I still think they need one more to feel really good. But just looking at things, looking at the bubble, seeing what some of these other teams have or have not done. I think Missouri's in. I, I don't know if it matters what they do. I agree. I, I think the bubble's pretty weak this year. I think you want one more win to be sure and to avoid Dayton. Uh, yeah. Playing in you know the the first four uh, play-in games are in Dayton. But, uh, yeah, I think – If I Missouri think, plays in Dayton, Missouri fans are going to see so many crabby <laughs> pitching media members. It's unbelievable. Very true. Very I true. will be one of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think – I mean, avoiding – the biggest thing was avoiding the loss to Vanderbilt, in my opinion. You know, that that would have yeah. been a third – I guess you, they call it quali- or, uh, quadrant three loss of the season. So, uh, you know, avoiding that, getting getting uh, getting one more win, I think probably puts them in. If you get one more either against Arkansas or the first round of the NCAA tournament, I say there's almost no doubt. First round of the SEC, yeah. Yes, and, SEC, sorry. And, and, like, we have no idea. They could be – they can't be higher than the fifth seed. I, I don't – think they can be lower than eighth like I'm i pretty think they're wearing a home uniform in the first game yeah I, I know they can't play on wednesday i think i maybe saw somewhere a situation which they could be ninth but yeah, yeah. i mean i mean because I, I know texas a&m and alabama play so one of those teams definitely finishes behind okay. missouri 
Um, Kentucky and Florida play. They both are going to finish ahead of Missouri because both win the tiebreaker. Arkansas is really the wild card. If Arkansas wins, they are on Saturday. They are guaranteed a top four seed. If they lose, there is there's no way they can get a top four seed because Missouri actually will finish ahead of them. They could slip to seventh. So this is really a big game for Missouri. I mean, and I was talking about this uh, on the way back from Nashville with somebody, and it, it's, yeah, Mike might play, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Michael Porter Jr., I think everybody would say if they had to guess at this point, will be on the court on Saturday. But to me, the reason these stands need to be full on Saturday is you've got Cassius Robertson and Jordan Barnett, who have clearly been your two best players this season, playing their final game. Um, you've got a program that just 12 months ago was dead and buried. Like, to me, Saturday is not about whether Michael Porter Jr. is on the floor. Saturday is about this coaching staff and these eight kids who have drugged this thing back from the depths of hell, frankly, in the last year. Sure. You know, Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to be the guy who would come in for one year and resurrect the program. And, yes, he sold a lot of tickets and, and you know, arguably brought some other uh, major contributors into the fold this season. But what Cassius Robertson done, I don't think there's ever been, or at least in my memory, a uh, Missouri player to come in for one year and, and do what he has for the team. I mean, you know, just all the time this season you're watching the team and you say, you know, where is the team without him? And the answer is almost certainly not an NCAA tournament contention. Yeah, and because Alex Oriaki came here as a grad transfer, and Jordan Jordan Clarkson was only here for one year, but Alex Oriaki was he was a really good player, but he was not the best player. He was not the focal point of that team like Cassius. Nor the the emotional leader. I mean, you right. know, we were watching the first half against Vanderbilt, and uh, you know, I think you had said something like, "How is how is it that the only guy with any energy is the guy who's leading the SEC in minutes?" Right. But that's what Cassius does. Yeah, absolutely, and so. If they win Saturday, like we're all right in the okay, we know we're going. Just where are we going, and mm-hmm. and who are they playing, and all that. Um, most of the most of the projections right now have them as a nine seed. A few of them as an eight, maybe a few still as a ten. But there are generally about seven or eight at large teams seated below them, which means. And I think Missouri fans have forgotten how to do this. Like, this is what I used to do every year because I just love the NCAA tournament. Like, going back to when I was 13, you watch every conference tournament because you're going, what does Kansas State do? Mm-hmm. What does USC do? And, and so if those teams lose, then all of a sudden what that means is it doesn't really hurt Missouri to lose. It's not solely about what you do. It's also about what the other teams around you do. Yeah, not only the uh, the major conference tournaments, but a few of the mid-majors as well, mm-hmm. where you have teams like uh, Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference, Rhode Island in the Atlantic 10 that probably will get at-large bids Nevada, even if they maybe. don't win. Yeah, th- if they lose, that that you know uh, drops a spot on the bubble because the team that wouldn't get in will get the at-large bid there, or the uh, automatic bid there. So we're talking about the downside. Now let's talk about the upside. Um, just for the hell of it, let's say Missouri beats Arkansas and win- wins the SEC tournament. What's the highest? Wins the SEC tournament. Um, I mean, I could see as high as five, but I would go probably six. Yeah. I think people a lot of times do overreact a little bit to these conference tournaments. They tend to sometimes think, you know, the committee does too. That's though. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. But I think I, I I don't I can't think of a time when I've seen a team's resume go from nine ten seed to five seed. That seems right. like too drastic for for what would be what four or five wins now. Yeah. Five more wins. I would so. say six would be the high. the The only exception is. If Michael Porter Jr. comes back and somehow is far better than, like, we're anticipating, if he Mm -hmm. goes out and averages 20 in four games and he's like the SEC tournament's MVP, 
then that might buy you an extra seat. Now, I, I, I want to be clear. I don't think that's happening, right, right. but, you know. Yeah, no, as uh, we had Eamon Brennan of The Athletic on here, I guess, two weeks ago, um, and he told us, you know, there's not really a precedent for this as far as a player at our team adding a player like this, but if he shows concretely that he makes the team better than their resume before, that could boost him up a seed line or two. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting, and so now let's get to it. Um and full disclosure, we are actually recording this about two hours before we are going to get to talk to Conzo Martin in person. So some of you will hear it before, some of you will hear it after. Conzo has done a couple of radio interviews, and basically the upshot of those this morning was we're going to put him through practice today, we're going to put him through practice tomorrow, and we're going to see how he feels. And if he feels good, we think he's probably going to play. Now, to me, don't necessarily take that to mean Conzo said he's probably going to play. I don't think that stance is a whole lot different than what we've heard the last few weeks, but it, it is a little more clear. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, I understand people saying, I think we're going to see him because I think we're going to see him on Saturday, too. Yeah, like you said, that's not really a new stance on Conzo's part. However, it does seem like, I mean, you know, at a certain point, uh, you know, he, he had always kind of said a week practice. It's been a week of practice. I guess not practicing every day, but it's been a week since he was cleared. Um, you know, it, it's a, a chance to uh, a chance to play in front of the home fans, which he uh, has has said he has wanted. Um, so I think uh, I, I don't necessarily. I'm not expecting him to you know play a major major role on Saturday. I'm sure he will he will uh, come off the bench, but I expect to see him. Yeah, I would say. I mean, if he plays. 10 to 15 minutes probably. Mm -hmm. And look, I don't think Michael Porter Jr. starts a game for this team this year. True. I, but I will say of all matchups uh, for him to come back, I think against Arkansas is one in which they could use him because, you know, Arkansas plays such a high tempo that yeah. they need every body they can they, get, to be quite honest, and every ball handler. And I think this will upset people, but Michael's biggest addition to this team is just being another person. Absolutely. You know, I mean – Cassius Robertson plays five minutes fewer if he plays. Jordan Barnett plays five minutes fewer. Jonte Porter plays five minutes fewer. Jeremiah Tillman can maybe play a little more aggressively because if he gets an extra foul, it's okay. You can survive it. Uh, he just allows everybody. I mean, we were joking at Vanderbilt. Like, there are times Conzo Martin looks down the bench and goes, wait, this is all I got? <laughs> like, yeah. like, where's the other guys <laughs> I can play? Right, right, exactly. Um, and, and we do also, we talk about, you know, the return of Michael, but one thing I've, I've, you know, been saying here lately is like, if Jonte plays like he did against Vanderbilt, like that, that's almost more important in my mind to anything Michael Porter could bring short of, you know, putting the offense on his back, which I just don't see happening I, after being out three months. Uh, like the, the team's like 14 and one when Jonte scores in double figures. That's insane. Yeah. And, and it, I had this discussion with somebody. I didn't. I, I knew Jonte scored a bunch, but I didn't realize till after that game he also had seven points and six assists. Like seven rebounds, he is, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, he is legitimately a guy. Missouri's never had a triple double. If he stays another year, like that's a kid who can get a triple double at some point. I think it's the best game I've seen out of an individual player for Missouri in the Southeastern Conference. Wow. Yeah, I uh, I guess I nothing leaps, I mean, leaps nothing to mind. I guess you know, Jabari Brown had a few good games when he would he he had a couple over thirty. Right, he I might think, have had thirty two uh, points, but he but didn't right. have seven rebounds and six. Especially and not in a game quite of that meaning as well. Mm -hmm. Do or die. Yeah, no question. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Saturday, what five p.m. tip? We will mm -hmm. certainly be there. We will be in St. Louis every day. We are anticipating we will be. Somewhere between Pittsburgh and San Diego for the NCAA <laughs> tournament. We have absolutely no idea, but but we certainly will be there. Ann Rogers is down in Nashville. The women start tonight. Um, 
just kind of touch on that. They they kind of got a break. 14 mm-hmm. seed Ole Miss won yesterday. They're now two and 15 in SEC games. So Missouri ought to win this game, and yeah, they, they should have. No never matter uh, what. never won a game in the SEC tournament if they lose that one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But I I think even if they lose that one, like I still think they host the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm no uh, Charlie Cream, the uh, the women's bracketologist. On oh, ESPN, I didn't know that. Was a thing. But uh, okay. but uh, I, you know, so I haven't studied it extensively. But yeah, I mean, you know, the SEC is such a strong conference. They've been, you know, in the top fifteen all season. I, I would I have a hard time seeing them dropping below a four seed. So we'll we'll have stuff from Nashville. We'll have stuff from St. Louis. Spring football. It's going to be busy again. Conzo Martin and some players uh, speaking this afternoon. We'll have stuff from that. So it is uh, one of the busiest months of the year, and for the first time in five years, it should matter to you because uh, big things happening in March. So appreciate Barry Odom coming on for Mitchell. Uh, We will talk to you not next Thursday because the podcast schedule is going to go a little haywire now with with SEC tournament, NCAA tournament. We don't really know where we're going to be on any given Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we'll get podcasts out when we can, but no promises at this point. So – Just listen to this one twice. It was really good. (laughs) Talk to you next week.